Hello and welcome to another episode of A Need to Read. I hope you're well. I'm Ed Cunningham, your host as always, and today I'm going to be talking about self-deception. And before I get into the podcast, I just have to let you know how I pay the bills here is through sponsors of the show. I've got two sponsors of this podcast, that is Athletic Greens and BetterHelp. Now, Athletic Greens is your all-in-one green shake that provides you with 75 vitamins, minerals, adaptogens and prebiotics, all-in-one green shake that doesn't even taste that bad. Now, as a need-to-read listener, you get some freebies with your subscription. So if you fancy getting five free travel packs and a year's supply of vitamin D with your monthly subscription to Athletic Greens, and taking care of your nutrition, then just head to athleticgreens.com forward slash a need to read. As well as that, the podcast is sponsored by BetterHelp. So therapy is something I always advocate because it's helped me so much. If you're thinking about getting a therapist or talking to someone or going to any type of talking therapy, head to betterhelp.com forward slash a need to read. You'll be matched with a therapist within 48 hours of completing your application and you'll also get 10% off. Now, the main thing that I'd like you to do is share this podcast or sign up to my email list. But if you're not willing to do any of that, it doesn't really matter. Let's get into this show. Now, I'm going to do something quite different today, and it's something I'm going to be testing out for the next month or a few weeks, which is where I just take something interesting from a book that I've read and tell you about it. And then maybe you'll want to read that book. So I'm not by any means necessary ruining the book for you. I'm just giving you a bit of information from it. Now, today's podcast is going to be about self-deception. And I just have to start with a little story about an experiment. So you may or may not be aware that your brain is split into two different hemispheres. You've got conveniently named the right hemisphere and the left hemisphere. Now, the left hemisphere controls things on the right-hand side of your body. So your right eye, your right ear, your right hand, your right leg... Everything on that side is controlled by the left hemisphere. Same goes for the right. Just imagine swapping the words around. Now, in the 60s and 70s, a number of experiments were conducted on patients who had had their brains split open. Now, not in a violent way, but by means of a corpus colostomy, which is an kind of... What's the word? It's an operation, essentially, that splits the brain in two, and it was done mostly on people who had epilepsy to stop their fits being so bad, essentially. Now, the people who conducted these experiments, Roger Sperry and Michael Gazinga, one of them has won the Nobel Prize since, and Michael Gazinga is now known as the grandfather of neuroscience. Uh, in their experiments, they communicated with one side of the brain. Now, because these people had had this operation, both hemispheres could not communicate with each other. So what the experimenters would do, they would flash either an image to the right eye to communicate with the left hemisphere, or vice versa, or whisper something in someone's ear on one side to communicate with another side of the brain. And what was interesting is that the patients, when they were asked to explain their answer, to say, for example, they whisper in the ear of a patient saying, get up and leave the room, when they then asked them, they just made up a reason. Because their brains had been split, they had no idea why they got up or why they saw what they saw or even what they saw, but their minds, as if a kind of means of self-protection, just made stuff up, which is amazing. They did it with audible instructions, so when the guy was asked to get up and leave the room, when he was questioned why, the guy's left hemisphere just made up that he was going to get a Coke. And that's a pretty interesting phenomenon. And what it shows is how we deceive ourselves. But this isn't a 
strictly human phenomena, right? Self-deception is very, very interesting. It happens everywhere. You might have heard of, I was pretty obsessed with snakes when I was younger, right? And there's a red milk snake, and that's harmless, but it has stripes that mimic like a coral snake. Then you've got possums, lizards, birds, and even sharks play dead. And parasites and bacteria, they disguise themselves by wearing other molecules just to trick people, to make them think that they're not as deadly as they are. And that tricks people's immune systems. So not even your immune system is immune to deception. Think about politicians, wolves in sheep's clothing. In everywhere of your life, there'll be someone who's trying to deceive you. And that is a shame. But it does happen everywhere. And there's an evolutionary biologist called Robert Trivers who says that deception is a deep feature of life. And it occurs everywhere from cells to communities. And it's essentially necessary, which kind of sucks, right? Um, But it does make sense. It's good for evolution. It's good to make other people think of us in a more positive light. And if you look around you now, you'll see people who are deceiving others in ways that they just can't comprehend. And us you and I, we deceive ourselves. And that is obviously a little bit confusing and kind of annoying. And ways that that happens, think, so we tell ourselves we're not tired when we are tired, or we don't want to show a particular emotion to hide it from other people so that they don't think something about us. Our brains sometimes seek out information and then just try to destroy it and act as if it wasn't there. And that doesn't make that much sense to me. So I had to look into this. And the book that I got this information from is Elephant in the Brain. And that is by Kevin Simler and Robin Hansen. And it's about the hidden motives in everyday life. So when it comes to self-deception, is that there's there's a couple ways of looking at it, right? So in the old days, you had people like Sigmund Freud, and he saw self-deception as a means of coping with unwanted urges because he was all about unwanted urges, essentially. And then Carl Jung, who was Freud's protege, and who I probably will speak about in the podcast soon because I just started reading a book about him, he would call the side that we hide from ourselves the shadow self. And you might have seen people talking about that uh, on the internet. I would... I'd imagine they're not experts on it, but maybe I i don't know anything. Who knows? So we essentially, in Freud's view, deceive ourselves to alleviate the anxiety and psychic pain that comes about just being a person who is aware of their impulses. So we deceive our, ourselves because we can't handle the truth, according to Freud. Now, lots of people come to distrust what he says, or at least dislike what he says, Um mainly probably because it's quite depressing and it's it's not something that people want to have a look into. Um, But yeah, so we have this side of ourselves, the shadow self or or something that we need to deceive. And that's not good, right? So... But you have to remember, this is Freud, right? So we're not all just trying to hide ourselves from psychic pain and anxiety. There are other we reasons that we self-deceive. Um, but something that was quite depressing that I read in that book uh, was a quote from a psychologist on a podcast who said that depressed people essentially have something wrong with their self-deception uh, systems. So depressed people, according to this guy, see all the pain in the world, how horrible people are li- about each other and tell you everything about them what their weaknesses are and what terrible things they've done to other people and the problem is that they're right and the way to help people is help them be wrong so 
what I think is is being argued here is that people who are depressed can't deceive themselves or others very well. Now I say others because the new school of thought here is that we deceive ourselves as a means to essentially manipulate other people, which isn't the most comforting thing to know, but I guess if lots of scientists who know more than me have read about it and written about it, it might well be true. Um, There are two books that this book recommends. One's by Robert Trivers, and it's why... uh, That's called The Folly of Fools. And then we've got Robert Kurzban, whose book is called Why Everyone Else is a Hypocrite. Now, the authors of these books, they essentially trace their ideas back to the Nobel Prize winner Thomas Schelling. And in his book, The Strategy of Conflict, he looks at mixed motive games. So mixed motive games involve two or more people whose interests overlap but also partially diverge in some sense. So there is like an incentive to cooperate whilst also being somewhat at odds with each other. And if you want an example of this, you can think about everyday communications with other people we do this with other people and it's kind of what we're designed for and it causes us to deceive ourselves as well so there's things like strategic ignorance or purposely believing something that's false to like intimidate another person so purposely believing that your ability is greater than someone else's to try and psych that other person out or strategic ignorance is like cognitive dissonance right like smoking um strategic ignorance is like oh no i didn't see that happen so i can't be involved purposely averting your gaze from something or turning your phone off when you know someone's about to call or doing something via email that meant to be done in person so the value that we deceive ourselves is not that we deceive others So the value comes in deceiving ourselves so that we can deceive others better, right? It's not about hiding parts of ourselves that we don't like. It's that we have to self-deceive and we have to play along, right? If you don't want to play this game of self-deception, you're probably going to be at a disadvantage. And maybe if that guy's right who talks about depression, maybe that means you'll be depressed if you don't want to play these self-deception games. Um think about ways that you've like self-deceived in the past and and then gotten over that right just think about all the stuff that you don't tell people right all the stuff that you have bottled up there might have been something pretty bad that you've bottled up at some point in your life and then you've actually gone on and told someone and you felt the weight lifted off so you've stopped deceiving that other person and then you've therefore stopped deceiving yourself so you probably feel quite a bit lighter about it now why would we deceive others then? What's what's the point in that? I guess it's to elevate our status. It's to make people think better of us. And that is for evolutionary kind of benefits as well. Is Think about the safety you get from making people think you are a nice person. I don't doubt that you are a nice person. You probably are. But there is probably quite a large part of it that comes into like image protection from other people. So, but 
But then obviously if it is all for others, we have to kind of work out why we actually do it to ourselves. And I think one of the best ways to convince someone that you believe something is to actually believe it. So when you're trying to convince someone of something, trying to get someone on your side, the best thing for your brain to do is to actually believe that so you believe what you're saying, right? So your mind can trick you. Unfortunately, that's just how it is, right? And we will hide this part of our like conscious mind no we'll hide this reality from our conscious minds so that we can better hide it from others right something about your personality is a mask and i know that's not very nice to hear but the word persona comes from the latin word for mask maybe there's been situations where your personality is kind of molded to fit a social situation maybe there's like social pressure on your personality and maybe that is actually a mask as George Orwell says wear a mask long enough and it becomes your face so we like we need to think of this so we kind of need this we need people to think oh my goodness they wouldn't like me if if they knew who I really was or if I told them what I really thought they wouldn't like me and that's kind of what our brains are telling us and this is why we self-deceive And there are four ways that we can self-deceive, right? There's one is the madman. And this person doesn't show any signs of weakness. And you're essentially just letting someone know that you're willing to do anything. Like Richard Nixon, the US president, one of his enemies in Vietnam, to think he was willing to do anything, including Paul Nukes. And he said that. And that's similar to Putin nowadays. It's like he's playing the madman. He's deceiving himself to deceive us, to make himself think that he is the madman, he is the the one in the right, and he's willing to do anything to prove that. And that makes us think that he is, in fact, the madman who's willing to do anything to prove that to us. Another way that we self-deceive is by being a cheerleader. So this is when we try and get other people on board. This is when we try and get other people involved in our propaganda. And the goal is essentially to change people's beliefs so we need to believe it harder, right? And, well, I imagine this kind of happened to people like me, right? Early on in the podcast, thinking books could save me from from mental illness. <laughs> um, of course, I do think books are good, but um, I've been I've been mentally ill a couple of times since starting the podcast, so books can't be uh, the be-all and end-all. However, when I first started this podcast, I was more than willing to try and help people think that that was the case. And I think that was so that I could believe it harder so it just made a little bit more sense to me. So uh, sorry about that, but I'm a human and I'd be making mistakes. Um, another way is being a loyalist, right? And and think about this with your friendships. You deceive yourself into taking your friend's version of events over anyone else's. It's kind of like a political belief when it comes to these irrational beliefs we have about friends. Think about how little evidence it takes for a for a friend to tell you a story and for it to essentially be the truth we completely believe in that we are the loyalist because it helps us stay in groups evolutionary likewise it makes sense that's why we're loyal to people it's uh it's a way that we deceive ourselves with this blind faith so that then we can deceive others so they keep us part of the group so we stay part of the group and so we're safe Another way is someone who's a cheater. So someone who's nice, but they're they're too nice and they've got ill intentions. That's a good way of deceiving yourself and other people is by acting really, really nice. Because then you might even think that you're quite nice. 
and other people are definitely going to think you're quite nice and that's going to keep you safe now all of this is obviously pretty confusing and we have to think about the brain in in maybe a different way to how you're already thinking about it because you're like well my brain wouldn't do this to me my brain would never deceive me in this ways well unfortunately that little thing in your head produces absolutely everything you experience from my voice right now that's a projection of your consciousness if you look at that little window of of light and texture that's seemingly just coming out of your face that's your consciousness and it's all a projection it all comes from the same thing now what produces that consciousness is a ball of mush that ball of mush has lots of different parts i know we've just spoken about the left and the right hemisphere but lots of other psychologists have decided to kind of classify it in a different way and i think there are multiple ways that you can classify the brain and they kind of work together now jonathan Haidt, who's a psychologist um a social psychologist who's written the book The Righteous Mind that I quite liked and The Happiness Hypothesis and The Coddling of the American Mind. God, I know lots of names of books, don't I? Um, He says that your mind is like a committee of different people. So another person has called it like society of mind. So there's like little subcultures that don't always agree within your mind. And these are different sections of your brain. And they don't always get on. That's kind of what we have to realise is that within our minds, there are parts that are at war with each other or trying to hide things from each other, don't have each other's best interests at heart. Or, well, the interest they have at heart is kind of evolutionary, like, okay, I want this person who I'm in control of to have sex. I want them to eat. I want to sleep. I want them to be safe. I want them to be warm. They don't always get on those parts. Or I don't want them to remember this thing that they did when they were six years old or this traumatic thing that happened when they were 13. Your mind might hide that from you. And that is called self-discretion. And it's essentially when certain parts of your sight of mind shield important pieces of information from each other. So in a sense, Freud was right that we do protect ourselves at a subconscious level from conflicting information or bits of information that might make us feel in a negative way. But it is also about other people. So when we spend time focusing on the positive and self-flattering information and less on like shameful stuff that we know about ourselves, that helps other people focus on that. Therefore, increasing our status and furthering our social position and really just helping us out with evolution. Now, self-deception is going to show up in all different types of um, parts of your life. And I think, obviously, it's good to think about it as a way to deceive others, but it is also good to think about it as a way to deceive yourself because that's definitely happening, whether you like it or not. I think understanding that is quite a good idea. Now, The Elephant in the Brain is a pretty decent book, um, The Hidden Motives in Everyday Life. Some of this stuff is quite depressing to learn about. I know why they say ignorance is bliss, but once you take the lid off Pandora's box and start learning about what your brain does, it's kind of hard to stop because, let's face it, it is a brain and it is in your skull and it does control everything, so it is kind of good to know what it's doing. 
or at least try and get a basic understanding of what your mind's doing, especially when it comes to self-deception, because you'll recognize it in yourself and you might be able to catch yourself just before you're about to tell a porky pie to yourself or tell a porky pie to another person, which I wouldn't recommend because that's bad. Um, yeah, you'll you'll just be able to catch it at different points and maybe you'll recognize it in other people and think, oh, that's interesting that they're doing that. And it makes things less personal, I think, when you think of it like that, that it's just something the brain does, right? So that is from The Elephant in the Brain by Kevin Simler and Robin Hanson. And the other books that I spoke about on there were Fools of The Folly of Fools and How or Why Everyone Else is a Hypocrite. But that is it from me. In the description of the episode is all the information for the sponsors and how to sign up to the email list so you can get all of the stuff that I write about and you can get updates from me if anything exciting happens. Maybe exciting things will happen. The only way you're ever going to find out is signing up to the mailing list. But that is it from me. You're all absolute legends. Thank you very much. Love you. 